Episode 214 of the PJ Archive is a very amusing phone interview I did with the American singer-songwriter, guitarist and occasional actor Chris Isaac. As well as being super talented and super cool, as you'll hear, Chris has a brilliant brain and a great sense of humour. He's probably best known for his breakthrough hit song, Wicked Game, and its outstanding video featuring the Danish supermodel Helena Christiansen frolicking on a beach with him. Chris's other hits include Blue Hotel, Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing, and Somebody's Crying. He starred in two TV series, the sitcom The Chris Isaac Show, and the talk show The Chris Isaac Hour. Movies that Chris has acted in include Married to the Mob, Silence of the Lambs, and Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which he was promoting when we had this chat in 1992. What are your memories of filming it? I was way, way, way down at the end of the hotel. That's what I remember. They had the longest hotel corridor I've ever been in, I think. You could have ridden a bike from one end to the other. And of course they said, every morning at like 6 o'clock, pickup will be here at one end of the hotel. And I'm like three blocks down at the other end of the hotel. I always thought, why couldn't they drive down here? But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. First time I got to be in the film, you know, that's, that I got to be in there for more than a blink. <laughs> what was it like working with David Bowie and Kiefer Sutherland? Well, I didn't have scenes with David Bowie. I had a lot of scenes with Sutherland, but uh, I did see David Bowie on the uh, the set, and I guess I don't know. I was I'm kind of I'm a fan of his in that um, I always thought David Bowie is a really good actor, uh-huh. and you know he's a good singer and stuff. But I, I really he's one of the few guys I really liked when he did that. Uh, was it Man Who Fell to Earth? Fell to Earth and. Uh, Whenever you see him in, in the, doing some kind of acting roles, I mean, a lot of singers that turn to acting, it's kind of, you wish they'd pick up a guitar, you know. And he was always, I thought, pretty good. Also, when I met him, and he was, you know, I'd seen him once before, I hadn't talked to him, but when I met him, somebody, you know, said, oh, this is Chris Isaac, here's Dave Bowie, and we just said hi, and his eyes are really strange. He's got one that's, like, different than the other. Have you noticed that? Yeah, he's famous for that. Yeah, one's brown and one's green or something. Yeah, it's. but I mean, you know, I, always, I guess I'm jaded or sarcastic or I don't believe anything I see in the papers. I always thought, oh, that, that must be a contact lens or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. thought it was some kind of a show business thing, but it's just, that's the way it is. Was it a mutual professional admiration between the two of you? Had he known of your music much? I think it was more a one-sided admiration he asked me if I could get him some donuts and coffee, and he gave me a buck, which is better than actually Kiefer asked me the same thing, but didn't offer to tip me. So. No, I I don't know. He he might have known who I am, but I, I'm sure, you know, I, I got a pretty good hunch that I knew his work a little better than he knew mine. Are you going to keep in touch with them both or work again with them? Oh, I'm not, you know, David Bowie is like, I'm not like, you know, one of his pals and stuff. I mean, we don't, I mean, I like him, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'd be, I'm not getting invited to his pool party or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, I think you kind of, it's like one of those things where you go and you, you do your work and it's like summer camp, Yeah. you know, 
good friends, but you probably won't see him unless you go back to camp. Now, when you worked with David Lynch on this movie, as usual, he's Gordon Cole, the sort of deaf FBI man. Did that make you laugh, working with him and speaking so loudly all the time? Everything he did made me laugh. The guy is hilarious. He's really... He's like a 12-year-old kid in charge of a movie. He has boundless energy, boundless enthusiasm, intense focus on details, and then... He's totally, like, sometimes totally naive as as what the rest of the world is thinking. I mean, we were sitting at a dinner, and everybody was having this dinner of, like, the first night of the film to, I guess, you know, kind of meet each other. And he started talking about how Coca-Cola used to come in those little hard, you know, blue bottles that mm-hmm. are kind of heavy glass, little tiny ones, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh... You know, those are so great. They taste different. They taste better and stuff. And then somebody said something that uh, they didn't make those Cokes like that. And he said, now that's a problem. That's bad. That's bad. That's really, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And he really got into it like that. And his eyes were really intense and burning. And everybody kind of turned and looked at him like, now, he's going to, you know, from here, he's going to say something like it's bad because it's symbolic that... You know, America is losing its grip. It's not mm. able to produce something anymore. It's, you know, something bigger. And everybody kind of looked at him and waited. And then some, I said, well, why is that bad? He said, and he just turned and he goes, because I like Coke in those little bottles. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like he's, I don't know, he's just like whatever he's into, he's into heavy. Now, Lynch had meant you, I understand, to take Carl McLaughlin's place in the Blue Velvet movie. Was that correct? No, I, I don't think uh, I was going to take Kyle's place. I think um, we worked on music for Blue Velvet, and they had talked about me probably being in some small part, like, you know, what floor, sir? Or, you know, do you want fries with that? Some little <laughs> tidbit part. And And then, of course, once people heard that I was going to be in some small part, I, I think people exaggerated that story. I understood you were going to take the lead in Something Wild and also turn that down. Is that correct? It wasn't... Well, it was one of the leads in Something Wild. Mm. And that I, I, I did have uh, uh, offered was the, the heavy part, the Ray Liotta part. How did you meet David I Lynch? I met David Lynch... Uh, I was in the studio in San Francisco... And he, somebody called and said, you know, this guy likes your music, wants to come by, and he's interested in having you make some music for his film. And I said, sure, you know, because we were broke, and we were looking for any kind of gig we can get, mm. which is pretty much the way it is now. And uh, he came over, and very nice guy. He is nice. You know, he's not, um, he may be a different guy, and he may be, sometimes he's funny and stuff, but he's very nice. He's, he's, uh, he's not, like, stuck on himself doesn't have a big ego, you know, mm. and um, he's very straight. Do you think that's why the two of you got on so well? Yeah, he left me more room for my ego, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I I like him. He's, you know, a lot of the stuff that he, he's obsessed with is uh, kind of my obsessions, too. I mean, music and, you know, I like somebody who's really, you know, who takes their work you know, the filmmaking or what is, whatever it is, making music, that they really are taking it seriously. It's not just, um, not just a part-time thing. But he does seem to have a very macabre, dark side to him. Is that something you share as well? Well, I think so. I mean, 
in his films, even when things are, you know, there's obviously that dark side things, you know, it's like the all-American family with something really wrong, you mm. know. Yeah. And um, I think uh, a lot of the stuff that I write is, they're very kind of pretty ballads or pretty music, but it's, you know, it'd be like with something wrong in, in the world. And uh, so I guess we share a kind of hint of that. Did, did you watch the series of Twin Peaks, and what did you think of it if you did? I didn't watch it that much, I'll tell you the truth, because almost every night I'm working. Yeah. And a lot of the time I'd be out on the road traveling or something, so it's hard for me to, you know, pick up and watch watch the certain shows on TV. Like, people go, oh, every Thursday night I watch this, and I think, well, I don't know if I'll be in Albuquerque Thursday night or if I'll be in the studio, so I don't get in the habit of watching things. But I did watch it, uh, I've watched it a couple times, and I thought it was about the weirdest thing I saw on TV, which I thought was, that's a good sign. <laughs> when you do see weird David Lynch productions, do they disturb you at all? No, not at all. I can't believe that people, <laughs> I can't believe that people go, oh, that was scary, it was so weird, that really shook me up. I'm like, what kind of imagination do you have, you know what I mean? It's like... You watch this movie and that shook you up. <laughs> real life shakes me up. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff in real life that'll make me break down or scare the hell out of me. But, you know, his movies are, they don't, they don't terrify me. No. Did, it, did it terrify you seeing Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter face to face? Well, because you work on a movie, it's like, I guess it's different when you watch it. But that movie, when I was on the set, that was the only time I've ever been on the set of something where it was, like, scary. It was a very strange place. They shot that. It was wintertime and snowing and very gray and dark. And we went inside a big building that was a museum for Civil War relics. Right. And it had been actually, the museum actually was built, like, around the Civil War time. You know, like, shortly after the Civil War, they built this museum to put all their uniforms in. Yeah. And it was this ancient place with these ancient, you know, hallways were all filled with these old, you know, musty uh, uniforms in glass cases and bayonets and guns. And and you'd walk through this kind of half-lit hallway and go up to this, you know, room where they had a cage and a body strapped to the outside of the cage. And you know, that was a strange set. That was kind of... And what was he like? Hannibal? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I didn't spend... I spent very little time with Hopkins and a whole lot of time with the guys in the Teamsters Union <laughs> sitting downstairs while they would sit around and smoke and uh, we'd sit down and just, it seemed like we ate all day long. There's been talk of a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs. Have you heard anything about that and would you be involved if there is? Uh, I don't know if I'd be involved. I mean, if he asked me, I'll come back and do anything he wants, but um, I don't know if they I haven't heard anything that they're going to make one. How did I guess they could make one. That's right. He's he's gone away, and the two principal characters are still alive, and he's out and loose, right? Yep. <laughs> but I can't imagine Jonathan Demme. He doesn't, he doesn't seem like a guy who'd make sequels that much, you know? Right. You've done one or two, uh, as, as we've said, one or two quite disturbing films. Now, why do you think you get roped in for disturbing films? Oh, well, I don't know. It's probably my my winning personality. <laughs> Boyish charm? I don't know. <laughs> I work cheap. Um, I don't know. It's just been chance. I've, you know, 
But for a part-time actor, you get some pretty good parts, don't you? Yeah, I have been. I've been lucky in that. Um, well, I've been offered a lot of parts in things that are bad, and so so far I've just you know I've been lucky in that because I am part-time because I'm I'm working uh, as a musician also. I don't have the pressure on me that I have to you know I have to take a gig. Mm. So I've been you know I read a lot of thing, scripts that people sent and I've and most of them are horrible. And so I just you know I don't do those things. I just go out and do my music and then if something good comes I can do that. Have you thought of writing a movie yourself? Yeah, I mean, of course I have. I'm an American. <laughs> I think every American in California has written a script. <laughs> you know, sometimes they get these script ideas and um I think, you know, I'm I'm pretty clever, you know. I I got out of high school, so I'll write down the script idea and think, yeah, that's a good idea. And then you look at it and you go, this is just as bad as all the other direct that's out there. Mm. And it's, it's amazing that you come up with that stuff. Do you think one day you will go for a lead in a movie to expand your acting a bit more? Yeah. Actually, I'm, I've been talking to somebody right now, and so... There's a possibility of, I might do something that's more of a lead, but, you know, it just kind of depends on what happens, you know. The right script and somebody offers me a part and, um, and I'm not on tour, that would be great. Can you give us any more details as to your future film projects and so on? All big, all technicolor, all singing, all dancing. <laughs> would you like to do a musical? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to do something where I sang in a film. The people who make films and stuff, I think a lot of them think that that's offensive to um, cast a singer in a film and then have him sing. They think that's so obvious, you know. Mm. But to me, in a way, I think it's kind of funny. It's I like those old films where, you know, where Bing Crosby is in the film and all of a sudden he breaks into a song, or uh, Elvis does that kind of, you know, or Dean Martin breaks into a song. But those are neat. Mm. Do you enjoy having a dual career? Is that good because it gives you a lot of versatility? I don't know. I mean, I've, just, I've been real lucky that uh, I was able to get some work in films. You know, I, I always liked and wanted to be in some, you know, working in films. I wanted to be a film director. When I was in college, I was, like, applying to USC for cinematography. And I just applied, but I didn't have any money to go to try to, to do that. I didn't have the money to move out of town or anything, and so I ended up getting in a band instead. Mm. So it's been an interest of mine a long time. As to, you know, I mean, past that, I mean, in reality, it also is just great because you feel like you have a little bit more security. Right. You know what I mean? You can, yeah. make, you can make some money doing a film, and, and it's something you like to do, and then you can also go out and make money doing your music, and you never know with either of these jobs when the next job is going to be there. So... Yeah, it's a good thing. What's happening with your music career at the moment? Um, a lot, I think. <laughs> uh, I've just been working this past year, you know, on, on a record all the time, and uh, probably about five days a week I've been working on it, and I'm just about finished with a new album. Do you know when it'll be out? I'm hoping it'll be out in, like, January. Right. It'll probably be done a lot before that, you know, which is always kind of frustrating to me but it's, that's the reality is that do you feel under you know, pressure to, to follow up Wicked Game do you feel a lot of pressure to live really, up to that 
You know, it's one nice thing is I had a lot of songs written before Wicked Game was a hit, you know. I had already started working on this, this album. So I had, you know, there wasn't pressure when I was writing those songs. And I've written a lot of songs since then. And really, I don't ever, you know, writing them and working on the songs, I don't ever think about, you know, well, is this as big as, is it, will this be as big as Wicked Game? Maybe I'll think about that when I start to go out and promote it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But by that time, the record's done, and it really won't affect the record, you know. That'll be my own stupidity if I go out and start worrying about that. The video of Wicked Game, I don't think anyone will ever forget the black and white performance on the beach. Uh, but I understand uh, David Lynch did a, a previous video to that song, is that right? He did. Yeah, he did a very good video for the Wicked Game, the first one, really. And um, it was a performance with the band. Right. And we were playing and, and singing it. I guess... Um, what happened to that? Why wasn't it released? It was released, actually. All right. Maybe it wasn't on uh, English television or over in Europe as much, but over here it was it was played a lot. Right. And um, that really is what got the song started over here. And the video, which we did see a lot over here, was it as much fun filming that as it looked? It looked a fantastic uh, time. It was a lot of fun in, in, um, in some ways. In other ways, it's like... <laughs> People came to me and they said, Did you, you know, that's really your girlfriend? And I said, yeah, right. You know, it's like, you know, go up and touch the glass. It's TV. They're not little people inside a box. It's like, give me a, you know, she's a professional, like, actress and model, and I had to pay her money to kiss me, you know, yeah. which is really not too different than everyday uh life. I read that the first three albums that you did were heavily influenced by the breakup of your first relationship. Is that true? I think, yeah, I think it, there is a lot of influence from that. What happened to that girl? She moved, you know, from my hometown. It's kind of not, not that many jobs, I guess, there. So she moved about 80 miles away. And um, I knew she was, she was working, like, as a nurse for, uh, like, children works with a nurse for children, which is kind of nice. She, was, she has real nice demeanor. You know what I mean? She's very easygoing and nice. So I think kids would probably feel good with her. And I hadn't talked to her in probably years. You know yeah. what I, mean? I mean, I thought about her, but I hadn't talked to her because yeah. she got married. And I just thought, you know, you don't, you just don't do that. You know what mm. I mean? It's not, it isn't polite. But then after all these years, I uh, got a phone call. My I was talking to my mom, and she said, hey, guess who came to the house just now? And I said, who? It was my ex-girlfriend. She had come back to town, and she was friends with my mom, you know, from all those years, and she had uh, come back and said hi to my mom. And all of a sudden, I was on the phone. She talked to her a little bit, and it was, it was kind of nice. It was, you know, it's funny because, you know, she said, oh, yeah. She says, I, you know, I've seen, your, seen you on TV and stuff, and I guess that, you forget that other people, you know, I do this stuff, and then I kind of forget. I know it. I know that people see it on TV, but I forget. Yeah. How does she feel about the fact that you've written so much about her? Well, I think it's not anything that's like, um, hopefully it's, there's nothing that's um, too much that people can say, this is your life, and point to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, an influence is different than, than, a, than a you know, biography. Yeah, yeah. Is there any love in your life at the moment? Uh, my love of music, <laughs> 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 which 
but you're leaving me quite frisky. No, I, I haven't really been uh, dating too much or doing anything like that because I've been pretty much working in a room with two other guys. It's like prison. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a bit of a workaholic, would you say? Uh, I don't like that putting a holic on the end of words. Sorry about that. I don't think that, I don't think that works. <laughs> You know, I'm a boataholic. <laughs> Boy, I'm a I'm a strawberry shortcake aholic. It's like I don't know. I don't. I think I like to work a lot, but if I um, I think I'm normal, and the way I could tell that is that I like to work, but equally I'm always imagining myself on a vacation someplace. You know, mm. so I think workaholics they don't imagine vacations. <laughs> Where do you go on your vacations? Uh, if I got a vacation right now. I'd like to go any place where there was uh, the food was cheap and it was warm weather. Right. Sounds like England to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why do you live in San Francisco? Because most showbiz people seem to live in Los Angeles or New York. You just answered your own question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Is that right? You like to get away from it? Yeah, I think it's real good not to be there all the time. Mm. Where do your family live? My family's all in Stockton, which is... Stockton is like a big valley, farm area. Right. And it's in the San Joaquin Valley, and that's about 100 miles northeast of San Francisco. So, also, I mean, that's a big thing, too, is I'm this way I'm close enough I can go home and see my mom, my dad, my brothers. What do your brothers do now? My older brother, Nick, he works for the county, and he, uh, what do they call it, like a troubleshooter or something for the right. county. Uh-huh. And then the other guy... Uh, my other brother, Jeff, he has been, uh, he moved and like hung artwork and paintings and stuff for this company. They would, you know, put them in a truck and deliver it to rich people's houses and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh -huh. he hung, I think he hung some artwork in like Tony Curtis's house and Sylvester Stallone's house and like he would just, you know, they have this, this truck and they bring the artwork. But this last year he's been, he hadn't worked because he got in a fire. What and, happened? Yeah, my house that I grew up in burnt down and he was in it. Crumbs. Yeah, it was really a crummy thing. Well, how did it burn down? They're not sure. It was like you know this one. This is one of those old old houses. It's like probably built in you know 1900 or something, and it was in Stockton, and and uh, the wiring in it was all old, and it had a furnace that was ancient. So a lot of things could have gone wrong. They're not sure. I mean, it, it burned up real good. Was he badly injured then? Oh yeah, he almost. I mean, they called me and they said they didn't think he's going to make it called me like in the middle of the night and uh it, boy that's spooky the only reason i think that he did make it was that he's big yeah. real big and uh the door was like i guess it got the heat or something made it stick and he was big enough that uh you know he, he literally kind of went through the door he just knocked it down he's six foot eight and about 250 and it um if he would have been like my size he probably would have been more in the flames and overcome is he completely all right now or is he still injured uh, he's still you know it takes a, uh, they say it takes a long time to come back from those things because uh those fires leave like like the, he's got a huge scar on his leg and um his hands like the skin looks like real slick on his hands now mm. and mm. like the side of his face and stuff it's like all still red and you know torn up but uh he's coming back he you know he's little by little but it takes a long time i guess because it's such a shock to your body that it takes, they say, the doctors say for like a year, your body is, has a very tough time um, getting any energy.
it sounds like you're still all very close as a family. Yeah, we are pretty close. Yeah. You know. How do they feel about your success? Do they think that you've changed? Well, I don't know. I probably have changed. I guess everybody changes as you go along in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so many, so many strange things happening to me. But I hope I haven't changed in some bad way towards them or something. But we all get along, and I still go to Stockton on, uh, you know, when I can get time off. And my older brother, they all feel good about it. We all, I mean, they always. We have a lot of fun with it, you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's fun because we never had our picture in the paper, really, or we're known for anything. And all of a sudden, you know, my picture's in the paper, and I'm from a town where not many people are in the paper, so everybody kind of knows me there. And our name is strange enough that when my mom goes to the store and she says, you know, Dorothy Isaac, she writes a check or something, people go, hey, it's your son, you know. Mm. So it's always it's been... It's all kind of nice things, you know what I mean? So your parents are proud, are they? Yeah, I think they're they're real proud of it. My yeah. dad or my mom or, you know, every time I see them, they go, oh, you got to give me a picture for somebody. You know? <laughs> what sort of work were your parents involved in? Were they in show business? No. My mom worked in a, a potato chip factory, and she she worked on the, assemb- like the assembly line where they seal the bags and pack them. And my dad... He drives a forklift at a box factory. Mm-hmm. Talking of boxes, you, you nearly became a boxer, from what I can gather. Is that the case? Yeah, I, I like boxing. My my dad boxed like golden gloves and was uh, pretty good. And then my my brother, older brother, boxed, and he was good. And he used to go down and fight all the time. So then I kind of got into it. And uh, I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun, but... I think, it, you know, with boxing, it's like you come to a point where you go, now I, I get really serious and turn pro, or now I do something else. Right. And I didn't, I don't know. I saw some of the guys who'd been fighting for, like, you know, they had a guy, a picture in the gym where I used to fight, of this young, handsome guy standing there with his, you know, pose, like boxing pose. Yeah. And every day I would spar against this old guy who's about, like, you know, 50, look, you know, about 50 years old, and yeah. it was just kind of out of it and then one day somebody told me oh that's the guy in the picture that's him when he was a champ and he'd come down there and he sold like jewelry out of the back of his car and uh, like sold shirts and things like that and I thought man it looks like a fun thing to do for a while but it doesn't look like something you could do forever right so you don't box anymore no I don't box anymore but I have a actually in my my garage I hung up a I got a speed bag and a head bag and a body bag Mm-hmm. And so I just I hung them up in my garage, which probably drives my next door neighbor crazy because there's a lot of noise. <laughs> Do you keep fit and healthy because of your lifestyle, because of your career? Well, I'd probably despite my career, I try to keep fit and healthy. Right. I'm not somebody who does. I mean, I don't drink and I don't smoke, and I don't do any drugs at all. And I never did that stuff really, uh, ever. So I've just been lucky that I just don't have those bad habits, you know. It doesn't sound like the life of a rock star at all. Well, I don't really want that part of a rock star life, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think that part of it was like, a, that's a drag. I mean, I saw the people who were on tour and who smoke and drink and don't eat, you know, they eat junk. And, uh, man, they look like they're really, they look like they're, they're sick all the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tough enough to stay healthy when you're eating good and stuff and you're traveling, so... I don't know, I'm not into that part of it. The part I like is the music and the singing and stuff. 
What about the vanity aspect of the music industry? Do you like the dressing up and the the image and all that sort of thing? You bet. I'm a, I'm a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do like it on on stage and stuff. You know, I gotta say, if you see me at home, or if you like, you went through my closet at home. I got the same clothes that I had, you know, five years ago. I just I wear clothes until they wear out, and. Um, that's when you decide to get some new ones is when those ones you have wear out, not when fashions change. But on stage, I try to wear stuff that's very much, you know, like dressy and fancy because I think people pay money to see you. And some of the people that see you, you know, they may not, they may not be impressed by what you're doing. So you have to do everything you can to make sure that they get their money's worth, they get a show out of it. I heard your mother makes your stage costumes out of old curtains, is that right? She has made some. I mean, I've had other I've had other people make costumes and stuff, but my mom has actually made she's made some of my costumes early on. She helped me the first thing when I came to town. Man, I wish I had I still have that shirt. I had, when I first came to town, I had a black satin like cowboy shirt and my mom got a piece of uh like black and white looked like leopard pattern stuff and she she made this like piece that went on the, you know, sewed it on top of the shoulders of the cowboy shirt to make it look like it was, you know, part of the shirt, and it looked like black leopard or something, black and white leopard spots. And she made that, and she made a belt that went with it. And um, I guess it looked pretty corny, but I thought it was really, you know, I thought it was very fancy, you know. So there I was, came from Stockton. I had that shirt and that belt all the time. I was wearing that. Because you get photographed a lot now, do you sort of regret having gone into boxing and having your nose broken so much? <laughs> uh, no, because I wasn't that good looking anyway, so it didn't really make a... It wasn't like a, some big change for the worst, to tell you the truth. See, this way at least people can imagine that I was better looking before. <laughs> they don't have to know the truth. You do have a lot of female fans, though, it has to be said. What do you think of them? Um, that's a nice part of their job, is going out and playing and seeing women in the audience. If people tell you they don't notice the people in the audience, they're nuts. My band, we go out and you know we play, and, and uh, when we came off stage, people would always say, "Wow, did you see that beautiful girl over there?" Or this, you know, what people, you know, you're always watching the audience, you know. Somebody I understand who is a fan of yours is Madonna. Are you, are you friends with her? Do you know her at all? I know her just a little bit. I mean, I'm not. I don't get invited to the picnics and stuff and whatever, but um, I have met her a couple times and uh, been to her house once, and she's very nice. She's very nice to me. I think I just had, like, the first record out, and then she met me, like, later on, but she was always busy, always doing stuff, but she was always very polite to everybody. Have you discussed right. doing stuff together? Oh, uh, what kind of stuff? <laughs> Steady, Chris. No, no, we didn't. Um, I don't think we. I don't think our music. I don't know. I can't imagine that because the reality is a show business. Right. I can't imagine that she's going to be working with anybody right away. You know, the realities of show business are. Yeah, this is kind of sickening, but you watch it. Is that anytime somebody works with somebody else, that person will probably sell about the same amount of records. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. people don't. They just don't do that. And the only time they do it is if it's um, somebody working with somebody else who isn't selling records but who has a famous name, right. like a legendary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody will work with uh, Bo Diddley on something, or you know what I mean? Uh huh. 
uh-huh. that kind of thing. You say you've been to Madonna's house. Is it like yours? Just like mine, only bigger, and all the furniture is better. <laughs> what is it like? Actually, it was a, it was a, you know, it wasn't like a huge palatial mansion or something. It was, a, you know, it was a kind of nice in the house, and the artwork on the walls was real instead of, you know, photographs. It was just, you know, it was nice. It, it was like, you know, kind of like a, if you look in a magazine, they have a picture of a nice people's house. That's uh-huh. what it was like. What's yours so, like? My house is more like what your grandmother lives in, <laughs> you know. It's very much like the, the furniture came from the Salvation Army. <laughs> You don't live in any kind of luxury at all? You don't have any trappings of your success? Any gold discs on the wall or anything? I got, I have gold records, and I'm real, ha- I'm real happy with that. I really, I always wanted to have a gold record, and I have one, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to put it up or anything because it's like, you know, bragging on yourself. But I gave it to my, uh, my parents, and they've got, I give them, like, anytime I get an award or something, I give it to them because then they can put it up, right, right at their house. Because it's okay to brag about your kids, you can't really brag about yourself. Do you get so, fans yeah. ha- hanging outside your house? No, it's just you know I live in a pretty average neighborhood, and I guess people don't—they don't care to come hanging around here. I guess. Quite a few colleagues of yours seem to worry about weirdos and things. Is that a concern of yours, or? No, I've I've been with this band for a while, so they don't really scare me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had any weird fans there? I've met people that are that are pretty pretty oddball. One thing I met was some people who told me, some girl told me uh, I was talking to her, and I thought she was really funny. And then all of a sudden I realized that she wasn't making jokes; that she was really she was kind of crazy, you know. They weren't jokes. She was, she was really kind of crazy. And it's, I went, wow. And then she was saying, you know, that uh, David Bowie. This is funny. She said David Bowie wrote songs about her and had him on the radio, and she knew that Dave Boy was talking about her, mm. and that she knew that I was writing songs about her, yeah. and that during the songs on the radio, she could hear me talking about her. And I said, that's interesting, and they kind of started backing up towards the door. <laughs> but, uh, no, I haven't met too many kooky people, but I guess they're out there, but you meet them anywhere. Do you lead quite a showbiz lifestyle at all? Do you go to Hollywood parties and premieres and things? I've been to some premieres, like I think one or two, but no, not generally I don't. I'm pretty much somebody who, uh, I like to work in the studio and I like to make records. I like going on a tour. But aside from that, if you ask me like what I do every day, I might go, like yesterday was a pretty average day. I went and got my hair cut down this uh, Korean barber shop and I went surfing in the afternoon. And then I went by the Safeway at the grocery store. <laughs> got some stuff for dinner and then I came home and uh, listened to a bunch of records and played records and then I played with my drummer he came by and we played music uh-huh. and that's about what it pretty much something like that about every day you know in San Francisco there aren't a lot of Hollywood people to hang with and when I go to LA I'm usually working and I don't I don't really do that stuff that well you say you listen to music what sort of music do you listen to um, right now yesterday I was listening to have uh, that Buck Owens you know Buck Owens yep He's got a compilation out of all his early stuff on CD. So that was a pretty good, I've been listening to that. And I also was listening to this thing that has, there's an entire CD of Bo Diddley beats. It's like every song is a Bo Diddley beat song, which I don't know who thought that up for a CD, but <laughs> that was a pretty good idea. And I've been listening, they had the um, early uh, Elvis box set is out, and that's pretty cool. 
we've been hearing a lot about this guy, Billy Ray Cyrus. What do you think of him? I've heard a lot about him and stuff, and I haven't seen him myself. I've only heard a little bit of one of his songs, and, um, you know, it sounds as good as anything else that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the funny thing is that people just, they hate somebody yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. they just, like reviewers and people just go, I just hate that, I just hate that guy. And I'm thinking, this is not brain surgery. This is just show business. You know, I mean, if you don't like it, you just turn the channel or, you know, wait a minute and watch the next thing. It's like, you don't have to get excited. It's just, the guy is not an evil character from, you know, some other planet. He's just there singing a song. If you don't like it, just give him a break. Who do you like to go and see in concert? Do you go to concerts? Who would you pay to go and see? Hmm. Well, I went and saw Ernest Tubb when he played. Mm -hmm. uh, he played in town years ago. I went and saw U2 when they were here in town. Right. I went and saw them because I, um, I was a fan of their music from early on. And I wanted to see kind of what they're doing now. And also because I'm in show business, and I thought, well, maybe I should go, because I never go out to show, and I thought I should go see what people do, you know, when they have a lot of money, what kind of show they put on. You know what I mean? Like, what, do they have a big stage set or smoke or fire or dancers? Because or, I don't really, otherwise I won't even know what people are, you know, what, what people are doing, because I never go out. Were you impressed with you two? Yeah. I thought they were pretty good. Their guitar player is very impressive. What sort of movies and, and TV shows do you like? Boy, I'll watch anything on TV. You know, I'm horrible about that. I just, I'll just lay there and I'll watch anything. I'll watch 20 minutes of something, then I'll, if a commercial comes on, I'll watch 20 minutes of something else. Mm -hmm. I like Hawaii Five-O a lot. Does that show play over there? They used to in the 60s and 70s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always liked Hawaii Five-O. To me, it's very relaxing. <laughs> And I like the fact that Jack Lord is uh, he's such a know-it-all. Yeah. He's in command of everything, <laughs> as opposed to real life how it is, you know. Yeah. Do you like to travel a lot? Do you enjoy the touring? Yeah, I, I have to say I like touring. I think probably after about five or six months, I don't like it as much, but that's probably everybody's like that, you know. You kind of miss your home if you've been gone. Six months, you start going, oh, gee, I wish I could just lay down on the couch. One thing about this, what you do is, if you're musician is you kind of for like eight months or six months or whatever you're working all the time on making a record and you're in a studio and then when you get done you're on a bus for like six or eight months and just as you get tired of doing one thing you do another thing you know you went down very well last time you were over here when you released blue hotel what did you think of britain when you were over here i like it i like britain I never call it Britain. I call it England. Okay. Is that different? I guess it is. It's, yeah, go on. To me, when I first came over, I kept thinking, everybody seems so classy, uh -huh. you know, because um, for one thing, I'm just not used to hearing people with an English accent, and when I'm, you're an American, and um, in my town that I grew up in, we didn't have anybody with an accent. Uh -huh. Nobody. I mean, everybody had pretty much, I mean, it was like, I mean, you may have a... Maybe some people from Mexico had an accent, but very few. And so when you go over, for me, when I went over and I first went over like London or something, it was like everybody seemed like really fancy. Because everybody on TV that's fancy in American movies are all these like that. The old movies and stuff, they always had English accents. So I just associated with like being like upper class or something. I think everybody particularly enjoyed your sense of humor. Where does that come from? Probably stage fright. That's probably. <laughs> where that comes from. Uh-huh. If you had children one day? 
Yeah, one day. The problem is you got to have them for a lifetime. Right. <laughs> Are you hoping to have a family there, married, getting married and have children, do you think? Um, I thought about it, but first I have to find the right... you got to find the, the wife. Everything else is easy. I got the rest of it down pat. I'm ready. <laughs> what about ambitions uh, in show business and outside of show business now? Outside of show business, my ambition is I'm trying to get my car fixed up. Some guy hit my car, and I'm I'm getting it painted, <laughs> which I've had the same car for about eight years now or whatever. And it's, What is it? It's a 1964 Chevy Nova. I really like it. It's a nice car, and it's really cheap to get parts for, and there's a million of them, so they're, they're nice cars. But um, some guy just hit me when I was parked, and now I'm going to be able to afford to get it painted now, <laughs> thanks to him. <laughs> What about musically and uh, film-wise? What are your plans and ambitions? Um, I, I hope the record is going to be out soon and that it's going to be... I'm real excited about it. I like it. and I, I think that, um, you know, you never know how people are going to react to it. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Which is exciting and scary because you go, wow, this is going to be a great record. You put it out, people could go, ah, forget it. Or they could really love it. So, mm. it's you know, it's really exciting. I want to see what people think about it. I want to get that out, and I want to start playing on tour again. Those are my big goals. What's your big dream in life? I'm kind of doing it. Literally, I am kind of doing it, which is, I forget, you know, I talk to other people, and other people are pretty envious sometimes. You know, they say, wow, you're really lucky to do what you do. And, I, you know, it's true. Right. There's been, a, you know, I mean, I remember when I worked at a sandwich shop, mm -hmm. my big dream was to make records. Now I'm making records, so I'm really... I'm doing what I want to do. Final question for you. What's your idea of bliss? Well, I guess it's me and about a dozen gorgeous dames on a beautiful island someplace <laughs> with a stack of money as high as my head. <laughs> Fabulous. Thanks a lot, Chris. Really right. enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Thanks. Well, I hope I see you over there pretty soon. Yeah, I hope so too. Bye-bye now.